Hello and welcome to Setting the Skein. I'm Ben. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. Oh. And with it being the day after Christmas, Doug is at home. Doug? What, Doug, what are you doing? Why man? are you spending time with your family? And we're not. When you could be watching a movie with us. That's right. And Ben, uh, for those at home who don't know, uh, what movie did we watch? Well, Tristan, I'm glad you asked. Uh, we watched the 2000-something... 2006. 2006 Christopher Nolan film, The Prestige. That's right. Christopher uh, Nolan did this movie, and he, he you know, you know, he did his magic. Yeah. He, he worked his magic on, on this movie. Yeah. Right. He worked his magic. Yeah. It's the 2006's The Prestige... Uh, starring Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Rebecca Hall, Scarlett Johansson, Andy Serkis, and freaking David Bowie. Well, more like huge act, man. Am I right? It stars Wolverine and Batman and Alfred. And David Bowie. And Batman actually plays someone named Alfred. Otherwise known as Ziggy Stardust, so for naming characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, directed by Christopher Nolan, written by... Or Major Tom. Him and his brother Jonathan based on a novel by Christopher Priest? Yes. Yeah, uh, which none of us have read. We don't have any <laughs> book readers. Today. Which makes us experts and very qualified to talk about yeah. the movie. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we're still going to talk about the book, probably. So this movie, um, it's got an 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb. It's got a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is surprising. The audience score is 92. Yes, oh. this movie was not well-received by critics. Uh, on the IMDb page, the Metacritic score is like 66. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, this and Interstellar, surprisingly, are two of Nolan's lower critically acclaimed films. I don't know how Interstellar is so low. Yeah, I know that's one of your favorites. I also like Interstellar. It is my favorite. And this movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're both very good movies, but for whatever reason, they just... Critics are critics. I guess we're technically critics. Yeah, we're critics. Ar- we're armchair critics. Yeah, well, critics. Well, what makes it? What makes us a critic? What's a What's a critic made of? Well, uh, critique the right stuff. Um, yeah, I guess the so. Right stuff. You could say it's uh, takes three things really. <laughs> critics are made of complaints, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, I am made of flesh and blood, so I'm just maybe some bones and organs too. Uh, well, I am bionic, so I'm a little bit out of the category. Anyway, so The Prestige. Uh, Tristan's never seen it. That's right. I'm the only one. Yeah, but Elijah and I have both seen it. Elijah, tell us about your experience with the movie. I think I've seen it four times. I definitely didn't see it when it first came out. But uh, a few years ago, I guess, I saw it for the first time and like immediately wanted to see it again. I think I saw it the second time not long after. And we'll talk more about rewatchability later. Um, I think I've seen the movie four times now. Uh, this is at least my second time watching this. Uh, I say at least because I know I have watched it in full one time. I think there's another time I started it but did not finish it because there are parts of this movie that when I was watching it this last time a few months ago, I was like, I've seen this before. But I got to the end and I was like, I have not seen this before. <laughs> ben, that's a common thing uh, with you, I believe. Yeah, well... Yeah. It's also a common thing where I just haven't seen movies. So. Yeah. Well, um, I I had no idea what this movie was about. I didn't even know who was in it. Um, like, I was I was fresh. So I was a fresh baby at this at this one today. That's I don't even think you knew it was a Nolan film until we showed up. That's I right. knew it wasn't. Well, I know maybe you're right. I don't think I did actually. Well, um, let's talk about what it's about. Um, obviously, spoilers ahead. We don't oh, usually yes. say that um, because I think with this we figure film, we don't need to. It's important to say that spoilers are ahead right. because this movie, with it being about feuding magicians, um, like it seems like any movie that is uh, is made about magicians, stage magic, whatever, has a twist, yeah. like a major twist that is central to the plot. This movie has a couple of those. Mm-hmm. It does. It has quite a few surprises. And if you're familiar with Christopher Nolan films, then you almost expect it. I mean, if you've seen Inception and stuff like that, you know that you're in for some weird twists that are going to bend your mind. And I don't th- I don't think this movie's an exception. I think it's a pretty good 
example of what his movies are like. Right. But it's about um, it's it's mainly centered on a rivalry between two magicians, one played by Batman and one by Wolverine, and they uh, Batman's character is named Alfred. Alfred Borden and Robert Angier. Um, they they neither kind of, of which are their real names. Right. Well, there there is an Alfred Borden. Well, in the book, not the uh, book reader, but the uh, book Googler, um, th- it's actually a combination of both of the brothers' nice. names. I think their names are like Albert and Frederick. Ah, okay, okay, cool. So they combine the names to I think I did, yeah. the I persona have... of Alfred Borden. Okay, I have definitely read the Wikipedia page, so I, I probably read that before. Anyway, um, they kind of start out as partners. Um, largely because of uh, Michael Caine's character, Cutter, John Cutter, who is like the engineer guy who helps design magic tricks for Robert Angier's act. They start off as partners, and there's an accident where Angier's beautiful assistant slash wife is tragically killed during a trick, and it may or may not be Borden's fault. So it causes this rift between the two magicians. They go their separate ways, and they end up obsessively competing with each other to the point of being willing to do really dirty, really wrong things. Getting their hands dirty. To mess up each other's acts, to steal each other's secrets, and uh, steal each other's audiences. Um, And it just keeps escalating, um, and the, the conflict just gets worse and worse. And by the end, and we actually see this at the beginning, it's... uh. They do kind of a frame narrative thing. They do a not this movie, exactly in, in media terms of rest, a timeline hops all over the place. It does, which is typical of Nolan. Right. Um, time is his plaything, but he we we actually see at the beginning where their conflict ends up with Borden on trial for murdering Angiers, mm-hmm. which is not exactly what happened in more ways than one. But <laughs> that's kind of where it ends up, and it's got a lot of twists and turns that we'll get into in a minute but that's the gist of what the movie's about and I, I think just based on that description you can tell this is a bonkers movie yeah also one thing i do want to say it technically is borden's fault that she died because he did do um the langford knot the play with that is um since they since the two Lang or since the two bordens switched out when he was asked did not he know. S- he said, I don't because know which knot. Because it was knot. the other brother. He literally didn't know which knot it was. Yeah. Um, so when the one brother showed up to the funeral, it was not the one who was on stage that night. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's let's dive into this movie. It. I mean, like you said, it is a very bonkers movie, which is typical of Nolan, I think. Yeah. Um, well, the, the term bonkers suggests that, <clears throat> well, just as the animated TV show Bonkers suggests... Um, Show I've never seen. Oh, well, it's a cat, animated cat, who is a police officer, and he drives his partner insane. Um, he is also bonkers. He's crazy. Um, this is not, I wouldn't call it bonkers. But it is strange. <laughs> All right, I don't know. Yeah, um, it is It is strange. It's a very unique story. Unique, that's it. Um Okay, so the plot twists. Can we? Do you want to just go ahead and get those out on the table? Since we've I mean, I feel like we already kind of talked about it a little bit. We've we've talked about part of it. Yeah, we've lightly spoiled it. We've so, peppered in the spoilers. I mean, we already said that it's actually two people, not right. One. Alfred Borden ends up being twin brothers, right? And one of them at a time, they take turns, and one of them pretends to be Fallon, the engineer that designs his tricks. Right. Um, but they're actually doing both jobs kind of together, yeah. taking turns. Um, and that ends up being the secret to his transported man teleportation trick on stage that Angiers is obsessed with finding the secret to. That's the secret, plainly and simply. He has an identical twin, and they've been swapping places. Well, much. mostly identical. As Tristan actually pointed out, something that he noticed, uh, one of them has a cut on his eyebrow. I'm wondering about that, because when Borden gets his fingers blown off in the bullet catch trick... Mm-hmm. Um, Twin Borden, they they know they have to keep the act alive, so they chop off his fingers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if they were dedicated enough to do that, if one of them had a scar on his eyebrow, they would have duplicated it, Maybe, right? yeah. 
I, I, I mean, I can't remember exactly. I just, I, remember seeing I, I would there. have to go back and rewind. Me too. I remember seeing a scar, so I just assumed that, honestly, I just assumed that that was one of the signifiers. So, Yeah, I don't know. I didn't notice that. Um, but that ends up being Borden's big trick. Algiers ends up having one, too. Because uh, he's told by Cutter that, you know, he just uses double. And Angiers is like, no, it cannot be that simple. There's got to be something else to it. So he goes and finds uh, Nikola Tesla. And is like, well, through a series of events, gets in touch with Tesla because he believes that Tesla helped um, Alfred create his device and ends up that wasn't the case. Uh, he was just pulling his leg. Uh, and then he gets Tesla to build him a device anyway to do it and sort of does that. Right, so but the the idea the idea in the movie is that um, Tesla, of course, is an inventor, and he kind of has a reputation for his eccentric behavior, um, and he's kind of hailed as sort of a madman. And Borden leads Algiers to believe that Tesla was uh, the answer to his to his riddle, um, but it's supposed to be a red herring. But the movie leads you to believe that. Um, Algiers starts, he gets to work with Tesla and actually does end up uh, helping Tesla develop something that, that, that lets him essentially clone himself. And so that ends up being the crazy twist with Algiers is that he's cloning himself for his transported man trick. Every night it's a new clone mm-hmm. and somebody new pops out of the door on the other side um, while Somebody, the original copy, the new copy, somebody falls below the stage and ends up in a tank full of water and drowns so that he gets rid of one of the copies and there's only one copy of him alive at a time. Yep. And because he uses blind stage hands, they're none the wiser. Yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Even John Cutter didn't know, or at yeah. least he didn't know everything. Because he didn't work backstage. Yeah. Um, so Cutter is uh, Al- Algiers' um, assistant, or his hmm. engineer, engineer, or whatever the word was. It was a French word. It was right. a French word for engineer, I think. His engineer. And then the other one, the other guy, uh, Borden? Borden. Borden. His engineer, what was his name? Fallon. Fallon. But it was really just his brother. Right. right. And they swapped places. I remember, I was a little curious, because I remember when um, Fallon... Was visiting um, him at the at the uh, at the prison, yeah. And it cut to Fallon's face because I was like, "He's got to be a different guy." Like we're gonna if we're gonna close up on Fallon, like I gotta see, like he doesn't. This guy doesn't talk, right? He's not supposed to. This guy never talks. There are very few direct shots of him. Yeah, because well, and and, yeah, exactly. And he never talks because he would sound the same as the other guy. So, I'm thinking, like, this guy's, like, is this his twin? Or is this, like, I didn't think, I don't think I thought that. But I thought there was something up with Fallon. Right. So, okay. I was like, I just need to look at this man. And when it panned to him, I was, like, looking at his chin and how his chin was different. And I'm like, this makeup's really good. I guess it's a, yeah. I guess it's a different guy. And I was like, I guess that theory's flushed away. No, it is Christian Bale as yeah. Fallon. He's um, doing both. I, I just... I'd say they have uh, prosthetics that they put on when they're yeah dying. yeah I saw that it was done really well yeah I for a second I was like something's up with Fallon like he is a, he is either he's either Christian Bell's character or he's like a clone like somehow he found out how to make himself a clone using yeah. this machine or something okay and you know one thing that I think is wild about that Fallon is he's there throughout the movie. You see him early on, and he's in a lot of scenes, and I didn't even remember him being there like the second time I watched it, and we'll get to this later. But I noticed Fallon so much more the second time around. I was like, he was there the whole time, and he was the answer to the riddle, and I did not know. And what's wild to me about that is that the whole deal, and I'm sure we've all heard this, the whole deal with stage magicians having beautiful assistants is that this really attractive, eye-catching person in flashy clothes 
everybody's looking at them. Everybody's distracted by them, and it's part of the sleight of hand. Yep. You're distracted by the beautiful assistant and flashy clothes, and you're not paying as much attention to what the magician is doing to pull these things off. Borden does the exact opposite. Fallon is there the entire time, and you don't even think about him. Right. You are not paying attention to I him I thought he was all. creepy. Yeah, he, he, he's a lurker, right? Yeah, yeah. He's just lurking so the whole did, time. Uh, Borden's wife. Yeah, but he turns out to be like the answer to everything. Right. He was the one that you were supposed to be looking at. That's it. And I think uh, Borden's relationships with everybody throughout the movie is re- really interesting uh, because one of the lines that he says at the end is that we both led um, half lives, which was enough for us, but not for the women that they were interested in because one of them was in love with his wife. The other was in love with Scarlett Johansson's character. And that serves to, for a few conflicts throughout the movie, uh, depending on which Alfred Borden we had. Hey guys, what's up? It's your old pal Ben. Y'all already know why I'm here. I'm here to give you some announcements. Now, before I get to that, I do, again, just like every week, I want to say thank you for listening. Uh, it really does mean the world to us. Now for the announcements. Uh, we here at Vider Media are partnering with our friends over at the MP Theater Group to put on a live episode of Setting the Skein. Now, this episode will stream from both our Facebook page and MP's Facebook page. You can find more information about that Uh, On MP's Facebook page, the episode will stream on Saturday, January 16th at 8.30. So be sure to tune in for that. You will not want to miss it. Now, if you're interested in signing up for a Patreon, you can get all sorts of cool bonus content, uh, behind-the-scenes episodes, early access episodes, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, You can find out more about that at patreon.com slash vitermedia. If you're looking for more ways to support us, well, you're in luck. I've got plenty of them for you. The easiest thing you can do is what you're already doing. Just keep listening to us, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell that guy waving to you as you walk down the street that you kind of looks familiar, but you're not entirely sure. Now, that's all I've got this week. Be sure to check out uh, the other Vider Media products. We're getting ready to dive into this new year with some great content. Um, be sure to follow us on social media at Vider Media to keep up with all of that. Now, let's get back to the show. The entire movie is a magic trick. Yes. Yes, it is. The whole movie is set up to be like a magic trick on stage. They tell you at the beginning of the story, there's three parts to a magic trick, the pledge, the turn, and the prestige, which people quote from time to time. Um, and I hear people talk about this like it really is one of the like well-known rules of stage magic, but I have Googled it a couple times, and I have not been able to find it related to anything except this story. So I've never... I don't know enough about stage magic I don't know to that, really say. Yeah, I, I feel like that's probably something that was written for the book, and that's where that idea originated. Well, maybe it's, maybe it's in different words. Maybe so. It does make sense. Yeah. Um, anyway, they tell you that at the beginning of the movie, and then proceed to do, like, exactly what they've just explained to you. They do that in the movie. Like, they tell you what you're about to watch. Yeah. I mean, this whole movie tells you exactly what is going on and you without saying what's going yes, on. Yes, and he, you know, you hear, whether it's Borden or um, John Cutter, you, you hear them talking about the nature of magic, and they say, you know, I think it's John Cutter that says, now you're looking for the answer, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not really looking. You want to be fooled. You know, it's like the thrill of magic, the thrill of stage magic. You like not knowing what the answer is, you like being entertained by it and not knowing how that magic sausage actually got made. Um, <laughs> and and that's the way it feels when you get to the end of this movie. You're like, oh my gosh, how did I not see that? It was so obvious. They literally had it right in front of you. Sometimes they literally tell you what's going on and you don't even... You just don't know enough. You don't process it. And sometimes, you know, you look back and go, Fallon was there the whole time and I mm. had no idea. Or sometimes you see... The relationship that Fallon has with Borden's daughter. And it's like, 
that's uncomfortably close. Uh-huh. And then you realize, wait a second, that's Borden. Yeah, yeah. So it makes sense that they would be that close. Right. Well, what what um, what were the signals that you guys saw? You mentioned earlier before the podcast that showed that told you that maybe there was something up. Uh, there was one conversation that uh, Borden actually has with Fallon. Um, I forget exactly what it uh, what was said, but like I texted Elijah, like, "How did I not see that the first time?" Yeah, um, um, I'm trying to remember what exactly that was. Um, oh gosh, which conversation was it? I don't, now I don't remember. I I remember you guys texting the whole time. No, just a we couple times. We texted Spart uh, a few times throughout. But we could have. I mean, I promise, Tristan. When you watch this movie for the second time, knowing what the magic trick was, yeah. I mean, oh, you're gonna- uh, I think it was something about. Um, Tristan, when you watch this the second time. You're gonna spend the whole movie going, oh my gosh, there's there's that, and there's this. Okay. I mean, okay. it's just a hundred little things that you're like, holy crap. Okay. They all but spelled it out for me. Yeah. The obvious example, at least as it relates to the Borden thing, the obvious thing when you when you think about it after watching it for the first time is his relationships with women. Yep. Because he's married to Rebecca Hall's character, Sarah. And who says who has this thing throughout the movie like uh, she knows that when he says I love you, whether or not he means it. Oh, that yeah, day. Yeah. Right. Some days he means it. Some days he doesn't. Right. You you now realize that's because it's literally a different man. Right. And so, and and one of those men loves her and the other one doesn't. And she can tell she eventually figures out what the trick is. Um, tragically. <laughs> um, and then and then there's Scarlett Johansson's character. Um they call her by her last name, which I can't remember. But anyway, um, Olivia—that's her first name, right? Yeah. Yes. And and so the 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 other twin is in love with her. Right. And it, the first time you watch it, you think he's having an affair. You're like, all right, well, he keeps telling Sarah that he loves her, but here he is cheating on her with this right. other woman. Turns out there was no cheating. There was an awful lot of lying, but no cheating. <laughs> I'd say, and Angiers actually notices that, like, in one of his diary entries, he talks about um, his almost contradictory behaviors, um, and it's like he, it's like he, too, was being fooled by this magic trick. Like, he knew what was going on, but he didn't want to, he didn't want to know what was going on. And, you know, something that's occurring to me right now, Ben, you said the name Alfred was a... What's the word? A combination. Uh, portmanteau is the word I was looking for. Of Albert and Frederick, mm-hmm. right? And the twin that's that's um, in love with Olivia has told her to call him Freddy. So that must be Frederick, oh, right? Oh, I did not realize that. And he's in love and he wants her to call him his real name, but he keeps it to a nickname that could be a nickname for Alfred. That's that's just now occurring to me as we, that's really as we interesting. talk about it. There's so much, man. I've I've seen this movie I think four times, and even this time there were things that I noticed that I that I didn't quite notice before. Now the second time watching it was the wildest, and in, in terms of <laughs> that's because I mean, after that the amount of things that you notice for the first time goes down, but um, but I mean there's 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 just a ton. Yeah, there's the journal entries mm-hmm. that are actually being written by two different guys. Um. What else, Ben? What else do you notice? Um, geez. I mean, a lot of it is with uh, Borden's character. Because, um, I mean, I feel like that's the big twist, is that he's actually two characters. Because we kind of follow Andrew's um, journey throughout the movie. So we, we kind of follow along his story pretty well. But Borden is not the main protagonist. But I uh, would also say he's like a co-protagonist. Yeah, I mean it's it it actually does make you sympathize with both magicians, right? Because I think they both have tragic stories. Because I mean, you've got Angiers who loses his wife, and what was more than likely an accident. Like, I know that uh, Alfred fully believed that she would be able to get out of the Langford Knot. She believed that she would be able to get out of the Langford Knot. 
and then she didn't. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's safe to say that that is an accident. But he loses his wife, um, uh, continues being a magician, and is bested, essentially, by this guy who doesn't have the showmanship. And despite being a better magician, um, is still like losing his audience. So he tries to one-up him by stealing a trick, and that ends up going poorly, and ends up breaking a leg and having a limp forever, and then has to ends up cutting himself and killing himself, and it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's a whole lot of things. Um, and then Alfred is two men living one man's life, which is uh, also with Tristan. After having seen the movie all the way to the end, just looking back on it after your first viewing, is there anything that you were like, oh my gosh, I should have seen that? Besides the, you know, looking closely at Fallon's face. Well, I, I, I knew that something was up with the love thing with his wife, with, with Borden's wife. Yeah. Or one of, one of them. Um, and I... Um, I don't know. I, I I thought it was kind of a like a, just a, a cheap thing. But whenever I saw the affair part added into it, I, ne- let me be clear. Never once did I think that they were twin. Like he had a twin. Right. I was just like really suspicious because like it was it was pretty clear that he was to me at the time. It was clear that he was in love with two different people somehow. Which I guess is a thing that people can do in real life. I don't know how. <laughs> a lack but of commitment? I guess so. <laughs> but I won't get on a soapbox. Um, but, yeah, that was something, I guess. Um, I, I was going to raise a question, though. Okay. About Cutter. Um, who received his allegiance? Like, what was going so on with that? he works for... Um, Angiers. You're right. And he really supports him the best he can the entire time. But Angiers' obsession um, eventually drives, his, drives Cutter away. Where he stops, yeah. and Honestly, he, it kind of reminds me of Alfred's relationship with Bruce Wayne in the Dark Knight trilogy, where he supports him, but in the Dark Knight Rises, Alfred realized that Batman needs to chill, so he leaves. Interesting. So he plays that role well, is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. Um, he. Yeah. Well, you know what happens in Interstellar. Uh, Michael Caine's character uh, dies. Right. Right when he needs to help, yeah. uh, he just barely gets the information out before he passes away. And in he Inception, <laughs> he's also a patron from afar. Anyway. Um, freaking. So he. So he ends up Algiers drives him away or Angiers drives him away. Um, and he, he doesn't, I don't know if it's safe to say he like switches sides, but for the sake of Borden's little girl, he does start to pull strings so that, um, Angiers doesn't just ruin lives. Well, I mean, after Angiers dies, I, I mean, it, it's made to appear that, um, he gets custody of Borden's daughter and then Borden shows up and takes her back and un- presumably disappears. Right. Because, I mean, he, technically he's dead. Right. Um, well, but you, you see Cutter walk away from the building at, in the last scene and walks past Borden and nods to him. Yeah, because he's... And Borden's not in makeup. Uh-huh. It's him. He's not, he's not um, Fallon. Right. And, you know, that, at that point, Cutter has, like, he's just had it. With Angiers, and he that's after he pulls the strings to make sure that Borden is reunited with his daughter. Do or think, Do you think that's niece. Cutter just saying, I'll let this happen, whatever's going to happen, I'm, I'm rid of it now? Yeah. In that, in that moment? Because yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of glazed so. over. I don't think it's, it's well, not I, like, it's not like pointed at. Like the, the cinematography doesn't show anything special other than a quick nod yeah. as he walks back. Well, you do get him trying to dissuade Angiers, saying, Obsession is a young man's game. I'm done with this. And and um, Angiers refuses to stop. 
you know, and you see conversations where Cutter has just had it with Angiers. He's like, remember what that thing I said about drowning? I was lying. It's agony. Um, you know, and he's just had it with him. And by the end of the movie, Borden has come to realize nobody is going to win from this kind of competition and he's done too. And so I think that's how they reach kind of an understanding. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like that last conversation that he has with, uh, Angiers is like, after he kind of realizes what he's been doing, he's like, yeah, no, I, I cannot be part of this anymore because I mean, it's not humane. Like, um, early in the movie, um, Tesla talks with Angiers about, uh, the cost of the trick. Um, like he wants to be able to pull off this amazing trick and he says, but at what cost? And he doesn't get it. Yeah. He and thinks think, he means money. But right. That's not what he's talking about. And like, we see him kind of struggle with that a little bit, but I think by the end, I still don't think he gets it. Cause I mean, he's okay with cloning himself and then dropping the last one into a tank of water night after night. Just to get back at this man who... Yeah, and just to live his own legend. Right. You know, he says it... And and at the first half of the movie, you can tell he's he loved his wife, Julia, who died tragically during the, the trick. And about halfway through, he says, I don't care about my wife, I care about his secrets. Mm-hmm. And you just see he's been destroyed by He's been position. overcome by this rivalry yeah. that he's got with uh, Borden. I want to talk about another couple of things that have occurred to me. Um, one of them I, I knew I was going to talk about. Um, but just, uh, again, there's a hundred little things that you notice after rewatching this movie that you're like, how did I not see that? One thing is the scene where Borden meets Sarah, who he ends up marrying. She already has a kid. Um, I don't know if it's her kid or if it's her nephew. It's not, it's her nephew. Her nephew, okay. Um, so she's there with her nephew, and the he, Borden ends up saying he's a sharp boy. Um, because during the trick where they make the bird disappear, the boy starts crying and says, he's killed it. He's killed it. Uh, they make the bird reappear and the boy seems to understand that's not the same bird from the beginning of the trick. And he says, where's his brother? And Borden is a little taken aback by that. And then he says, he's a sharp kid or something like that. When you watch that the second time, you're going, they literally just told you what's going on. That's literally the trick. Where's his brother? Um, so, so yeah, that the, the, the bird disappearing and reappearing is, of course, prefiguring the transported man trick. And they tell you from that scene that it's a different bird. Like, they've, they've just told you what the trick is, um, and you still don't notice. The other thing that I was going to mention is Chung Ling Su. Oh, yeah. hmm. He is a magician um, in the movie that Borden and uh, Angiers, back when they're still partners, they're supposed to spy on him and figure out how he does his, his big right, trick right. to make the, the goldfish bowl reappear. Um, they they spy on him. and Oh, yeah. So so they spy on him, and he's... Um, he's, he, um, he's elderly. Yeah, he's, he's elderly and crippled, and he makes... He, he walks over to this new stand and, and pulls the 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 cover off and then the the fishbowl has reappeared yeah well borden is the one who figures out what the trick is he figures out that the man is carrying the fishbowl between his legs under his robe that was algier borden is the one who figures it out oh well he's the one that figures that out that everything it's just a facade angier is the one who you see testing it out But Borden is the one who figures out what the trick is. And that's important. So he's, he he carries the fishbowl between his legs and then makes it reappear by, by just like hobbling it onto the table. Well, there's another one though. He has two objects. He puts up one after the other, doesn't he? What are you talking about? On stage. He he puts up something before the fishbowl. I don't forget what it is, but it's like a vase. Like, um, either a vase or like a canister or something. And he covers it up. Yeah. Right. And then he shuffles, the fishbowl out from between his legs and puts it on the platform. I guess he was carrying both. So anyway, Borden figures it out. And and so they figure out Chung Ling Su must have tremendous strength to pull this off. So he's faking being a, a crippled old man. Mm-hmm. And he, he they, they watch him 
hobbling into his car after the show to go away, and Borden says, that's it. That's the real trick. He's pretending his life is the trick. He's pretending to be this crippled old man so that no one will suspect the way he's really pulling this trick off. That was a hint as to what Borden is doing because his life is also the trick. I think I picked up on that. Half the time he's a different man. Yeah. So his life is really the trick, and Angiers has not yet become so dedicated that he's willing to live the trick, and that's why Borden is a better magician than him at the beginning. So Chung Ling Su, like Nikola Tesla, was a real person who is in this movie. Um, as this is this is kind of an alternate version of Tesla present in the world of this movie. We also have Chung Ling Su in this movie. They talk about how Chung Ling Su is living the trick. They don't give you a whole lot of details, though, because I Googled this guy a long time ago, and I, I pulled it up again today. I have the Wikipedia page pulled up right now. Chung Ling Su's real name was William Ellsworth Robinson. He was an American man of Scottish descent, and he performed in some kind of yellow face, which I'll just say real quick, is obviously racist. Um, he, um, he relied on Orientalism as part of the appeal of his show, and also because he was specifically ripping off another magician who really was Chinese. So we have an actual rivalry between real-world magicians here, Chung Ling Su and then the real Chinese magician that he ripped off. They had a rivalry for a long time. The... Chinese magician that he ripped off. I don't have his name in front of me, but it's it's a similar stage name. I think it was uh, like Chingling. Something Fu. Anyway, he figured it out. He knew who Chingling Su really was. And he tried to blow his cover and realized that nobody cared who Chingling Su really was. Nobody cared if he was faking it. They were entertained by his show anyway. And that's part of what goes into the mythology of this movie, The Prestige, is this real guy... And the extent, the extreme extent that he went to to keep his magic trick alive by by living as though he was this elderly Chinese man, pretending not to speak English, um, uh, just extreme stuff. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the whole thing. You can look him up, um, but it's insane. And so they made that part of the mythology of this movie because the magicians in the movie are willing, eventually, both of them are willing to live their trick so that their life becomes the sleight of hand. So I think it's also worth noting how he died. I was going to get to that. And also part of it is the rivalry between magicians that... Um, this, this is a real world thing that magicians compete with each other for the best tricks and the best audience. And then again... Like Ben said, the way that Chung Ling Su died was a failed bullet catch trick, which shows up in the movie. Not related to Chung Ling Su, but it's how Alfred loses his fingers. And it's because um, Angiers tampers with the trick. In Chung Ling Su's case, it was just an accident. Yeah. And it would have killed him, but Fallon came up and knocked the gun down, so it only hit his hand. Right. So one thing that this movie kind of presents us with, uh, with looking at Borden versus Angiers, is this idea of stage magic versus what's called real magic, but is really science. Is it, though? That's why I wanted to talk about this. Um, it's really interesting. A lot of, um, a lot of movies that have wizards or, or whatever in them they set it up to where the you, the viewer, an advanced <laughs> modern man, know that historically a lot of things that were scientifically explainable were considered magic. And so you're watching this going, all right, well, this guy's actually just ahead of his time. He's, he's grasped science that the people around him don't understand, and so people think it's magic. We think of that as being historically what magic was, mm-hmm. Um and a lot of stories set that science and magic thing up for you. This movie, I think, does it in reverse. Because they take Nikola Tesla, a real-world scientist, and they call him a wizard. And this is not... This takes place in a world that has accepted that magic probably doesn't really exist. Right. But this movie sets him up to be a wizard. Um, Cutter says a couple of times, this was not made by a, a magician, it was made by a wizard. 
Cutter makes the distinction between stage magic and real magic a few times. He says, no, this is real magic. They do the trick, the cloning trick, for for a proprietor of some kind. And he, he also mentions he seems to instantly recognize that this is real magic. He's like, it's been a long time since I've seen real magic. He seems visibly shaken. <clears throat> Which that line was interesting to me. It's like, it's been a long time. It's like, have you seen something like this? So does this imply that there's real magic in this world that is... The, these people have seen otherwise i mean maybe i think that's what they want you to come away with in terms if you're looking for world building stuff yeah he he even says you have to dress this trick up so that it doesn't look like real magic which it is he's like you have to dress it up he says give them enough reason to doubt it because he thinks that people are going to see this and know it's real magic and be freaked the heck out um he's like you have to dress it up to make it look like it could just be a normal but very good stage trick. Um, they they this movie draws a distinction between magicians and wizards, and they act like real magic is a thing, um, something that stage magicians only pretend they can do. But it's still linked with science. But I think it's it's reverse of the way a lot of stories do it, and reverse of the way that we tend to think about magic and science, which I found interesting. What were you going to say? I think it's an interesting thing to think about. You know, they're actually being real magic in this. Because I think that could set up the idea that, you know, Angiers may know this, but never believed it. Like, never believed there to be real magic. And when he sees Borden doing his trick, he thinks that, no, it can't be this real magic. There's got to be a trick, however simple it may be. Uh, even though he doesn't want to believe it's as simple as having a double. Um, but I don't know. That, that's this is what I'm thinking about, I guess. Yeah. he. But then he gets to the point where Tesla has helped him rig up this trick, and he doesn't care about anything else anymore. Because now that he's access to, quote-unquote, real magic, he thinks he's unbeatable as a stage magician because he can really do what Borden pretends to do. So he, he, you know, he rips up some of Borden's notes at the end because he's like, I don't care. I won, or so he thinks. Um, it's fascinating to me. There are, I, I won't go into it, but I found some like internet theories of people who think that's not what's happening, that Tesla was actually tricking Angiers, um, which is kind of wild. I didn't even look into it in that much detail. Um, but there are crazy fan theories about what's actually going on in this story beyond what they want you to believe. But it seems pretty clear that what they want you to believe is that Tesla really was a wizard, whether that's the same thing as a scientist or not. Um, and he did rig up a way to teleport, uh, not teleport, but clone a human being. Well, this movie goes, I mean, it talks about how things are, things are simpler than they seem. Yeah. Like throughout, the, that's a theme. So, you know, a lot of people are overthinking. I, I think maybe they're overthinking this. And really, the point of the movie is to not. It's 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 simpler Absolutely. than that. So try to come up with this idea that Tesla is fooling Angier or something like that is, I think, overthinking. Yeah, and it's contrary to the nature of this movie. Exactly. The nature of this movie is, turns out there's a simple trick. Yeah. Are you watching closely? You didn't see the trick, but now that you see it, everything makes sense. And in this context, the simple trick... I guess if we're talking about potentially Tesla fooling Angier, the simple answer is he cloned someone. He just did it. He did the crazy thing, you know? I mean, in this movie, Tesla is just an eccentric inventor. And did that in real life guys. <laughs> oh, speaking of in real life, I mentioned the um, rivalries between magicians in real in, in the real world, and a lot of people have pointed out they do the same thing by including Tesla in this movie because Nikola Tesla and, Edison. and Thomas Edison had a crazy rivalry where they were competing to invent stuff yeah. and pave the way to the future. And Tesla actually mentions that in passing. And there's a scene where um, Angiers says, I've seen Edison's men at the hotel. And Andy Serkis's character, who works for Tesla gets a little freaked out. He's he's on edge that Tess, that Thomas Edison's men are, are close by, you know, because that rivalry has been their story. 
Um, and that's why Tesla can talk from experience when he talks to Angiers about the cost of things like this. He knows what he's talking about because of his competition with... He's in it. With Edison. And yeah. Edison's men end up burning down his facilities. Yeah, so the competition between Tesla and Edison is also supposed to mirror what's going on that's between a, Borden and freaking Angiers. We yeah. keep saying, we keep hesitating for his name, <laughs> but, but that's his name. It. I think it's Angier. Is, it, is there an S on the end? Oh, dang Maybe. it. I don't know. <laughs> we keep saying it wrong. Look it up on IMDb. That's fine. Well, you said Algiers one time, and I'm like, that's a city in Africa. Yeah, that's a country. Yeah, Algiers. Is it a country? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Algiers is a city, though, isn't it? I think so. Maybe. I, I think it's know. the capital of Algeria. Uh, you're probably right. Um, Named by the French. I used, they colonized it. I used to know these things. Anyway, yeah, wild movie. <laughs> All right, let's score this sucker. Uh, if this is your first time listening to us, we use a uh, pretty simple scale, keeping in with the theme of this. Uh, it's a scale from 1 to 100. You can kind of think of it like an American grade scale. 100 is a perfect movie. Uh, it cannot go any higher. A one means that it is a steaming pile of turds. Poop. Poop. Poop in a scoop, you could say. Uh, who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. I'll go for it. 92. Heck. I honestly think this is one of Christopher Nolan's best movies. I was shocked to see that Rotten Tomatoes only gave it a 76. I get why people aren't as impressed with it. And I understand that by its nature, this is the kind of movie that people really want to poke and prod at and find every potential plot hole and say, Nolan isn't as much of a genius as y'all think he is. Um, but I say, fooey on that. A pox on your search for plot holes. I think this movie is phenomenal. I think this movie does something that I've never seen a movie do. The entire thing is a magic trick, and it tells you what's happening, and you still don't see it. And then it almost makes fun of you for not seeing it. And I think that's awesome. I find this movie spectacular. I think it's one of Nolan's best, and that's saying a lot. And like most Nolan movies, I love watching this movie with people who've never seen it. And I got to do that tonight with Tristan. <laughs> uh, that's one of, the, one of the joys of cinema, is watching a Christopher Nolan movie with somebody who's never seen it and waiting for their reactions. Agreed. They were on top of me immediately. Uh, yeah. As soon as the credits were, they were like, what'd you think? And I'm like, uh, give me a second. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not going to lie. I kept looking over at Tristan when stuff would happen to try and get a reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That man does not get facial reactions to anything in a movie. I don't yeah. usually draw an emotional reaction until... And I didn't mention l- this. Unless it makes me sad. I didn't mention this either. When I watched this movie for the first time, I watched it with my family, and my dad was mad. Like, we got to the end of the movie, and he was mad. He was like, that's that's crazy. I, that didn't even make any sense. And he walked away like, that movie was a waste of my time. And I promise you, everybody went to bed that night, slept on it. The next day, my dad said to me, hey, I thought about that movie. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you just had to think about it. And then nice. go, oh my gosh, that movie was dope. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I really do think this is one of Christopher Nolan's best movies. Ninety-two. Um, like you, um, I think this. Honestly, this is one of my favorite Nolan films. Uh, it very well might be my favorite. Um, I love the casting. I love the story. I'm always a sucker for a good magician movie. Um, I'm also a big fan of Now You See Me, though I don't think it has the re- the rewatchability as this. Um, I think there are a couple parts that are a little slow. Uh, I think it takes a really long time to build up, uh, cause the first like 45 minutes of this, it's kind of a drag. Um, but it is important stuff, so I can't fault it too much for that. I'm going to go a hair lower than you though and give it a 90. Nice. Still great movie. Love it. Would absolutely rewatch it. Um, okay. Well, uh, I enjoyed this movie, but I've, and I'm not seen a, a large amount of Nolan films. Uh, Interstellar is my favorite movie. It's a Nolan film. I love it. Um, I also really, really, really like Man of Steel as well. Um, another Nolan film. That that wasn't his movie. He was a producer on it. Oh, well, he produced. Okay. I thought he directed that. It's not directed it. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh. I guess I had forgotten he produced that movie. Interesting. Okay. Well, never mind. Yeah. Uh, Nolan has been executive producer for 
most of the DC films. I don't, I don't think he still is, but like when the universe first started, he was. Interesting. Okay. Well, the Batman trilogy was great. Yes. As well. Um, this falls into the same category for me as Inception. If, if I guess it's not really a category. It's just like what I think about it in general. It was a good movie, but I was not wowed by it. I didn't like shock me. I mean, I I didn't see it coming for sure. Like I I did. I I saw like hints, I guess, but like we said before, you know, I didn't really know what those hints meant until the end. But I think that I think I I would give this. I hate to do this, but I wanted to say it. I would give this a higher score if at the end of the movie, when Borden turns around at the very end, that door in the cabinet would have opened. And we would have just seen the door open. I think I would have given this a higher score. Because I really, really, really wanted to see that now that I keep thinking about it. Um, But my score as it stands is an 84. Still pretty good. Um, But I think I get what the critics are talking about. When they they rated this movie the way they they did. I, I mean, it just wasn't something that really, really hit me. Um, but I don't get what they're talking about when it comes to Interstellar, so I don't know what I'm talking. <laughs> None of us really know what we're talking yeah. about. Is that no? Right? Indeed, uh, I'm I mean, just that's an armchair podcast. <laughs> I'm not made of the right stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, after plugging that into our patented scorometer, <laughs> good job. Thank you for that, Tristan. Sorry, it's, it's just like a jolt of Tesla's electricity. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that gives us a final score of eighty-eight point six seven. So it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. That's a high B. Yeah, I can live with that. High B. Ne- the movie that we're watching next week is not getting a high B. I already know that. <laughs> I might. This was, I doubt it. This movie was my suggestion. I can't wait to rant about this. Oh, d- Elijah, what is it? It's Aragon. Hmm. A fantastic movie. Also I based on a book. Based on a book, which I have read. Uh, oh, I know that. And I could do a, a totally separate podcast episode on the book, <laughs> but uh, we'll get to that. You and your books. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, be sure to join us next week for that. It's going to be a great time. Doug will probably be back. Um, also, be sure to keep up with us on social media at Vider Media. Uh, you can find all of our stuff there. Uh, but until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And this has been Setting the Skein. Y'all have a great week. Thank you.